Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. Would you join me in prayer? God, in your presence today, we confess and acknowledge that, that we come with so many of our own agendas. Agendas for our lives, agendas for our days, agendas for our time, agendas for our energy, for our money. God, we've got so many agendas. At the same time, we recognize, God, that you have an agenda, an agenda for us and in us. And so, God, today we pray, we ask, would you help your agenda to become our agenda? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we're asking, what is the day of the Lord and what does it have to do with us? Now, when you think about it, it, there are ways in which time can be very precise. For instance, this past week was the summer solstice. That is the point in the northern hemisphere where the North Pole is tilted at a maximum angle toward the sun. The day of the summer solstice is the longest hours of daylight, and it is the shortest hours of night in a given year, and it's the first day of astronomical summer. Now, the summer solstice is very possible to plot. We know when it's going to happen. In fact, this year, this past week, it happened at 10.58 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Wednesday, June 21st, 2023. Sometimes time can be very precise. There are other ways, though, that time is a bit less precise. For instance, when it comes to the definition of the word day, That can be the period of time between sunrise in the morning and sunset in the evening. It can be a 24-hour period of time. Sometimes it's even more general than that. Sometimes it's simply an unspecified amount of time, and it even can be the period of time when a specific event happens. So as we talk about the day of the Lord, We're talking about something that has many layers to it. It's a multi-layered event whereby God brings judgment and restoration into the world. In the day of the Lord, God steps into human history and into creation in a way that asserts God's sovereignty The Lord God himself comes into creation and into human history in a different way than normal. And when God steps in, God brings his whole self to us, his holiness, his righteousness, and his justice. And so when the day of the Lord comes and God steps in, we discover that that's a time of restoration. Everything that's wrong is being made right. 
At the same time, when God steps in, we discover that the day of the Lord is a time of judgment. That which is wrong is judged and eliminated. Now, today we're going to look at the prophet Joel, and Joel spoke about and wrote about the day of the Lord. Joel looked back at an event in his past, and he said, that was a day of the Lord, judging a sin of my people. As he thought about that day in the past, he looked to the future, and he thought, there could be another coming day of the Lord if my people don't change. And he looked even further ahead, and he saw that for all of the world, there is a coming day of the Lord when God will judge and restore. You see, the prophet Joel is the one who introduces the concept of the day of the Lord in the minor prophets. Now, when we talk about the minor prophets, we are talking about the 12 books that end the Old Testament. They're called minor, not because they're unimportant, but because they're shorter in length compared to the major prophets like Isaiah. But each one of the minor prophets has a major message, a message of incredible import in the day the prophet lived and to us for our lives and toward the future. Now, there are some big themes that all of the minor prophets together deal with. Theme number one that the minor prophets deal with is the theme of sin. They confront God's people and say that they and we have sinned in thought and word and deed. Because of that, there's a message of judgment. God is confronting the sin in the world. But on top of that, there's a message of restoration, because on the other side of judgment for God's people, there is restoration. Now, the prophet Joel covers all three of these themes. He confronts sin, he pronounces that judgment is coming, and he talks about a time of restoration. But in between, the prophet Joel raises a question. What happens when judgment comes into the world that leads to restoration, because Joel will show us, judgment doesn't always lead to restoration. So what is it that turns judgment into restoration? This is what we want to know from the prophet Joel today, and that's a burningly important question for us to know the answer to. What happens between judgment and restoration that produces restoration? Well, as we dig into the prophet Joel today, we're going to find that Joel experienced a devastating past day of the Lord. You see, the prophet Joel experienced a plague of locusts, a, a terrible plague of locusts. Locusts, you have to understand, are basically the same as grasshoppers. They're very similar to grasshoppers. Some would say they are identical, except under certain conditions, locusts reproduce rapidly and in large numbers and in waves. And these massive waves of locusts become swarms. And these swarms spread over a land, over a country, and they devour absolutely everything in their path. And that's what happened in Joel's day. Massive swarms of locusts ate everything green in the land. 
I have a hard time wrapping myself around the thought, my head around the thought of a plague of locusts. The closest I've probably ever come is a plague of biting black flies on the north shore of Minnesota. I went camping with my family when my children were young on the north shore of Lake Superior in Minnesota. And we got up one day and we were going on a hike to a waterfall. Everything was going fine. We made it out to the waterfall. But apparently, by the time we made it out to the waterfall, it was the time of day when the biting black flies wake up. Because as we made our way back to our camp, we were swarmed, we were covered. Biting black flies were everywhere. They were on my head, they landed on my ears and ate my ears and they would land on your clothes and bite you through your clothes and we couldn't get rid of them, it was terrible. And, and we left as a result. And I'm not saying that that's equal to a plague of locusts, but it's the best that I've ever understood in my life what it would be like to live in the midst of such an event. And Joel said this plague that was leading to famine and, and suffering was coming as a judgment from God. Now, we don't know exactly who the prophet Joel was. All we know is his name, really. We don't know exactly when he lived. There are people who put out theories, and some of them are somewhat convincing, but none of them are definitive. Nor does Joel tell us in his day what sin God's people committed to lead to the judgment of a plague of locusts. All he helps us to understand is that sin leads to judgment. In fact, that leads to an expression that I, I'd like you to see today. Sin leads to judgment. An unspecified sin by God's people led to the judgment, in that case, of a plague of locusts. Recognizing that it was sin that had led to judgment, Joel called the people to repentance. And the people under the leadership of their priests, along with the prophet Joel, repented of their sin and turned to God. And that was a devastating past day of the Lord that Joel had experienced. God stepped into creation and into human history with his holiness, righteousness, and justice, and he was judging sin in the world and making the world right. But looking at that devastating past day of the Lord led Joel to look into the future and see that something else, something worse may be coming. Joel saw a possible future day of the Lord. And that's what we're dealing with in Joel chapter 2. In Joel chapter 2, we read a picture that Joel saw of what the future might look like, and it was built on what he had seen in the plague of locusts. In Joel chapter 2, the prophet saw a great army coming against his people. They were sent by, empowered by, and coordinated by God himself. In some ways, they acted like a plague of locusts. They covered the hills and swarmed everywhere. Like a plague of locusts, they moved in formation. But these were not 
locusts. These were soldiers mounted on horseback, and they came with ferocious power. The Bible says that in front of them, Joel could see the land spreading out green like the Garden of Eden, but they came as a consuming fire, destroying everything and leaving nothing but wreckage in their their wake. He said nothing can stop them, and they get absolutely everywhere. This is a possible day of the Lord that the prophet Joel saw coming. Now, this possible coming day of the Lord that Joel saw is built once again on sin. The people had sinned. Remember the formula. We do not get, once again, the individual sin, but remember, sin leads to judgment. This is what we know. And so once again, the prophet Joel called the people of God to repentance. In fact, God himself calls the people to repentance in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Yet even now, Joel writes, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and your hearts, rend your hearts and not your garments. And so God himself is saying to the people, I long for you to repent. And Joel is calling the people to repentance. But this leads us to a second expression. Remember, expression one is sin leads to judgment. But the question becomes, what happens when we experience judgment? Judgment can lead to repentance, but we have to put a question mark here because the expression is really, will judgment lead to repentance? Joel called the people to repentance, and the Bible says that they did repent, and that's critically important because we see that in the wake of the repentance of God's people, he relented of the disaster that was coming on them. This possible future day of the Lord did not come because Joel understood that if the people would repent, God may relent. And we find instead of judgment, God brought restoration to his people. In fact, God himself foretold what this restoration would look like. Joel chapter 2, verse 25 what God says he's going to do. Not only is he going to relent of the disaster that could come, but he's going to restore the damage that's already done. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. God is going to restore everything that the people lost in the great plague of locusts because of their repentance. And this is where we come to another expression. And this expression is that repentance leads to restoration. Repentance leads to restoration. Sin leads to judgment. Judgment may lead to repentance. But if it does, repentance leads to restoration. And now this is important because the prophet Joel has seen a possible day of the Lord. He's seen a past devastating day of the Lord. He's seen a possible future day of the Lord. But Joel also saw a coming day of the Lord to which these others point. Joel foretold a definite, final day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord in the past 
the possible day of the Lord in the future that did not seem to come is all pointing us to that definite final day of the Lord. Joel tells us that in the definite final day of the Lord, there is going to be a gathering together of all nations. In chapter 3, if you were to read ahead into chapter 3, you'd find the prophet Joel confronting the sins in history of a group of particular nations in history. But at the same time, Joel is confronting the sins of an amalgamation of nations that represent all of the enemies of God on earth and in creation. And Joel says, at the end of time, God is going to call together all of these nations, all of these opponents, everyone who stands against God. It's going to be ironic because it happens at the end of an age of peace when there's been no conflict for a thousand years. There are no weapons really left. And so, in an age when there are no weapons, the prophet Joel sees that the people of earth are going to have to turn the tools that they've had for living peaceful lives for a thousand years one more time into weapons. Joel chapter 3 verse 10 says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Turn your tools into weapons, to take one last stand against God. And he says, let the weak say, I am a warrior. Because even those who have a sense, I am weak, have to come and stand up in one last opportunity against God. And so Joel says, in the definite final day of the Lord, Every enemy of God is going to find their footing to stand against him. But Joel says what they're gathering for is not a battle at all. They're gathering for judgment. He says, gather the nations, gather the armies of the nations, gather all of the opponents of God into the valley of Jehoshaphat. In all likelihood, the, the, the title Valley of Jehoshaphat means the valley of God's judgment. And they will gather there for one last battle, ready to do harm to God, to overthrow God, to damage his people. But Joel taunts them. He says, you're just gathered together like a crop ready for the harvest. And Joel says, in that final battle, God will speak one word, just as at the beginning in creation. God will speak one word, and the battle will be done. And all of the enemies of God will be defeated, and all that will wait for them is their final judgment and final sentence for eternity. God is proclaiming a final definite day of the Lord that will involve the judgment of the nations and of everyone who stands against him. This definite final day of the Lord, though, is a season that also leads to restoration. 
God promises that he's going to restore creation on the other side of this. God himself speaks and says, and in that day the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water, and a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Shittim. What God is speaking of here is what we read about in the book of Revelation as the new heaven and new earth. God, having judged sin, having eliminated his enemies, will recreate the new heavens and the new earth so that creation and his people can thrive forever. We get eternity with him on the backside of this. The final definitive day of the Lord involves restoration and hope. This definite final day of the Lord is coming for all of creation. This is a difficult reality for us to wrap our heads around, but please understand that sin is a part of creation. And because sin is a part of creation, brokenness and fallenness and damage is everywhere. Suffering is everywhere. It is not loving of God to leave sin and the effects of the fall in creation forever. And it's contrary to God's very nature. Sin must be dealt with. The fall must be dealt with. It's the only loving thing that God can do. Sin was a reality in Joel's day. Sin is a reality in our day. And sin must be be dealt with. And so the day of the Lord is coming. And the day of the Lord for those who oppose God, who oppose his holiness, his righteousness, and his justice, is a day of judgment and of reckoning. And for God's people, the day of the Lord comes as a day of restoration and hope and renewal for all eternity. But make no mistake, the day of the Lord is coming. It is definite. It is going to happen. And it's only going to happen once. And so what we do with that definite final day of the Lord matters. We must be prepared for that definite final day of the Lord. How do we prepare for that definite final day of the Lord? Between now and the final day of the Lord, the Holy Spirit makes all the difference. You see, God is pouring out his Holy Spirit into this world in order that we might respond to him the prophet Joel speaks about the fact that God the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out into the world. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, we read, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. 
Now, what Joel is talking about here is related to the new covenant that God was promising to make with his people. As a part of the new covenant, God was saying, I am going to pour out my spirit on my people, and I'm going to pour out my spirit in the world in a new way. Because I pour out my spirit on my people and on the world in a new way, you will know me. You will know things about me. The beginning of this pouring out of the Holy Spirit happened on Pentecost when Jesus was risen, had ascended into heaven, the disciples were gathered, God the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and into the world, and because of that, we now have the ability as human beings to know definitively that we sin, that judgment is coming, and that righteousness is available to us in Jesus. We have the ability to respond because God the Holy Spirit is poured out into the world. And as God pours out his Holy Spirit into the world, Joel says he's putting signs in creation that time is growing short. Joel speaks about signs that recur throughout the Bible, that the end is coming. Joel talks about the sun turning to, to blood, and, and, or the moon turning to blood, and the sun being darkened. He speaks about conflicts coming against God's people, against the nation of Israel, against the Jewish people in general. And he says all of these signs are going to come and they are going to accelerate as the days move forward. Why? To call you to respond because in these days, salvation is available to us. Salvation is available to us. Joel recognized that would be the case. Joel understood that salvation is God's very nature. In fact, when he called the people to repent, he said, this is why I'm calling you to repent. Return to the Lord your God. Why? For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Right here, the prophet Joel is quoting what God said about himself. Back in the book of Exodus, he said, you want to know who I am? I'll tell you who I am. I am the Lord, the Lord, a God, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's who I am. And Joel said, why should you repent? Because this is who God is. Why, at the end of the time, should the nations come to God? Because this is who God is. And this is who God has revealed himself to be definitively in Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who comes. And Jesus proclaims that sin is real and that judgment is coming. And at the same time, Jesus is the one who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven. So that when we repent, we can experience restoration. Jesus is the one whose death and resurrection makes available to us restoration now, new life, and restoration forever, eternal life. Jesus confirms 
that God is who he has said he is all along. I am the Lord, the Lord, a God, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who God is. So, what then should we do now? That's the big question we need to ask ourselves. I told you that this past week was the summer solstice. It was celebrated at a place called Stonehenge in England. This is a set of ruins that are thousands of years old. We don't know exactly what it was created for. It may have been an ancient temple. Could have been an ancient solar lunar observatory. But what we know is that there are stones at Stonehenge that line up perfectly on the summer and the winter equinoxes. And that makes Stonehenge a big tourist destination on those dates. Thousands of people gathered at Stonehenge this past week. Some of them were just tourists, but at the same time, there were Druids, there were pagans, there were Wiccans of all sorts gathering to worship to celebrate and to revel. They do not know the one true God. They do not understand what sin is. Nor do they have a great deal of anxiety about coming judgment. If they've ever read the prophet Joel, I'm sure they think it's just a joke. But the prophet Joel is not a joke. And he's not joking. He's sharing with us truth. He's telling us the truth. And he's telling us truth that matters. Which leads us back to that question that we're asking, what should we do now? And the first thing we do is listen to the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is poured into the world, and you say, well, it, it's difficult for me to listen to a spirit. How do I hear the voice of a spirit speak? I can't see and hear the Holy Spirit. How do I listen to one I cannot see? The first thing that you do to listen to one you cannot see is make sure you're not stomping out the voice to begin with. And you can stomp out the voice of God the Holy Spirit by ignoring and ignoring and ignoring him over and over again. If you do, the voice of God the Holy Spirit becomes unrecognizable to us. So we listen by not stomping out the voice to begin with. But we listen also by knowing what it is that God the Holy Spirit is going to be saying to us. And we know that God the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to us about sin and righteousness and judgment. This is what Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 8. He says, and when he, the Holy Spirit, comes... 
He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He will convict the world concerning sin, meaning that, that we have disobeyed God in thought and word and deed. He will convict the world of righteousness, that it exists and that we have it in Jesus Christ and it's available to us. And he will convict us of judgment, that sin and righteousness matter and that there are consequences. When we hear these messages from God, we are probably hearing the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. So what should we do now? We first listen to the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we do now is we appreciate the urgency of the moment that we're living in. Joel tried to explain the urgency of the moment to us in Joel chapter 2, verse 32, where he said, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what Joel is telling us is that it is time to call out to the name of the Lord, to cry out to God, to choose a side, to determine which side we're going to be on in the day of the Lord. In the day of the Lord, will we be with God, with his kingdom, with the kingdom of God? Or on the day of the Lord, will we be on the other side, against God, in the kingdoms of this world? Joel says, it is time to choose. It is urgent that you choose because the signs are present. The end is accelerating. The day is certain, and it is coming. It's time to choose. And so Joel says, we must appreciate the urgency of this moment. And that brings us to the third thing we do, which is quite simply that we repent. Joel covers the gamut of what is present in the minor prophets. He covers sin and judgment and restoration, but he raises the question of what happens between judgment and restoration Repentance. What is it that leads from judgment to restoration? It's repentance. When we experience judgment, will we repent? Before we experience judgment. Will we repent? Repentance leads to restoration. Finally and forever. Will we repent? Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.